Well, hey, look at that. It's Friday already. And that means, of course, another weekend is upon us. And that means, of course, another edition of the Speaking For Him podcast. I'm Adam McNutt alongside the host of the program, Mr. Andrew Gomison. And it's the fifth Friday of September. And although the weather may have been telling you that it was the fifth Friday of July, or at least <laughs> the fifth week of July, it is, in fact, September. So here we are on the Speaking For Him podcast with yet another hodgepodge of goodness for you. And we're going to start today with our hymn story about the old rugged cross. And the reason that I chose this song is because it's my father's favorite song. And the reason it's my father's favorite song is because it was my grandfather's favorite song. And um, I believe my grandfather um, came to know the Lord because he actually watched a video or a film about that highlighted the old rugged cross. He was invited upstairs in the at the church where they were having a Boy Scout meeting. He was a Boy Scout, and he was invited upstairs in the church, and that's where he had his personal encounter with the Lord. So there's a, there's a very special connection for our family to this song. So now Adam is going to share with us that story, and we'll listen to some of the instrumental music. The Old Rugged Cross was written by George Bernard, who was born in Youngstown, Ohio in 1873 and spent his childhood in Iowa. His father was a tavern owner and later a coal miner. Bernard's conversion at the age of 22 through the evangelistic ministry of the Salvation Army in Canton, Iowa, led to his ordination and commissioning as a traveling evangelist in 1898. In 1910, stepping out in faith, Bernard resigned and began his own interim ministry. He traveled throughout the Midwest, holding revivals until his retirement in Reed City, Michigan, more than 30 years later. But of course, before he retired, he wrote The Old Rugged Cross. By the 1912 revival meeting in Michigan, he was troubled by them and turned to scripture to reflect on the work of Christ on the cross. He later recalled, I seemed to have a vision and I saw the Christ and the cross inseparable. The melody came easily, and the first verse was completed by Bernard during a series of meetings in Albion, Michigan. Several months later, the remaining three verses were completed in Pokagon, Michigan, where Bernard was leading meetings at a local church. After completing the hymn, he performed the song in its entirety for the sponsoring pastor and his wife, Reverend Leroy and Ruby Boswick, in the living room of the parsonage. The Boswicks were moved to tears and incorporated the song in the revival service on June 7th of 1913. That was actually in... An old hops barn, which that church building was made of, is owned now by the nonprofit Old Rugged Cross Foundation and welcomes thousands of visitors annually. What's amazing is, is he actually sold the copyrights for that song for just $500, but upon the renewal of the copyright 28 years later, he received a final payment of $5,000. Some of the lyrics to the Old Rugged Cross go as, On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame, and I love that old cross where the dearest and the best for a world of lost sinners was slain. And I just think that this is such an important song for us to focus on today and uh, maybe every day. Because as we become more and more divided as a culture and as a country, we really need to unify. And the ground is always level at the foot of the cross. And so my hope is and as you listen to this hymn story and you listen to this music in the background, that it will just bring you to that simple cross uh, that was in the middle of two thieves. 
it would not be a stretch to believe that that cross was intended for Barabbas. The malefactor, the murderer. And as one of my friends recently said, it could be said of any one of us. Because we had sin that put us on the cross. If it wasn't for Jesus. But Jesus took that sin. And because of that, a symbol of death has become a symbol of new life in Jesus Christ. And so I'm very thankful for that. And I hope that you enjoyed this story and that you'll share it with others. We'll have the source material on our blog for this week's show. So make sure that you go to the Speaking for Him blog and the info will roll at the end of the show. All right, well, now we're going to turn to some fun stuff. And first of all, we're going to look at a list from Mental Floss. As you know, it's one of my favorite things to do is to look at listicles from Mental Floss. Love and, Mental Floss. And one of the things I like about Mental Floss is that they they have the listicle all on one page. You don't have to flip through a million slides. <laughs> and so what is the list we're looking at today, Adam? Well, this is 12 inedible pumpkin spiced products. And yes, you can actually buy these at a store near you. All right, Adam. We're not going to go through the whole list because we could be here for a while. So <laughs> pick three or four that you want to tell us about that you think particularly surprised you that, that there's a pumpkin spice variety out there. Well, I think number one is at the top of the list for a reason. Uh, automotive exhaust deodorizer. <laughs> what you do is, is you literally put it in the tailpipe and it spits out smelling like pumpkin spice, which really I take over diesel any day if we're going to be honest. But that's literally what it does. So, you know, next time you're in front of somebody in a traffic jam and the light turns green, you might just smell some nice pumpkin spice coming through your air conditioning vents since this is actually a thing. Uh, pumpkin spice nail polish. Weird. But it smells like pumpkin spice, and it's perfect for apple picking and frolicking in the decorative gourd patch. Um, another one that really surprised me. <laughs> this is real. I'm not making this up because everything on the internet's real, is <laughs> pumpkin spice beard balm. <laughs> okay. For anybody that's keeping score or paying attention, Adam's last comment about everything on the internet being real, uh, don't take it to the bank. Definitely not you, true. All the kids listening, <laughs> don't take that to the yeah, bank. No. However, Mental Floss is fairly reputable in the stuff that they put out. Mm -hmm. And plus, every one of these products has a link for a place where you can actually buy the product. Yeah. So we're talking real products here. Do you have one more? Uh, I think my other favorite has got to be the pumpkin spice scented light bulb. And what does that look like? Because it does not look like a pumpkin. It looks like something dipped in wax that you shouldn't eat. And it smells like pumpkin spice. <laughs> it's it's very. It has kind of like a caramel apple. Once you dip it in, it has a little string that comes out for the bottom. That's what it looks like. That's what we're looking at here, and it's weird. It's really weird, <laughs> truth be told. So um, you can think about putting that in your kitchen nightlight sockets if you want All to. All right, but. so once again, that will be on our blog. 12 inedible pumpkin spice-themed products. Um, so you want to check out all the other items, and that would be good. All right, well, this is one of my favorite parts of Preform fries when we do a taste test. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. I don't remember how many we've done. I think maybe more than one. I know we at least did the fried Twinkie one, which was awesome. That was, oh, and so good. I think there might have been more than one, but that's neither here nor there. The point <laughs> is we're having one today. 
And the first one we're having, or the, uh, can you explain what we're taste testing today? Well, we are taste testing different kinds of Oreo flavors. And the first one I have here in my hand looks like a normal Oreo, but no, no, it's not because it actually has Pop Rocks candy in the cream. And here's the story about Pop Rocks. My brother always heard about the Pop Rocks and Coke thing, you know, because they're both kind of explosive, so have them together. So he and I actually did that when we went on a road trip to California. We were in our motel room. We actually had Pop Rocks and Coke. That is definitely an uplifting experience, if you know what I mean. But here we go with the firework Oreo. I'm going to get the cream on my tongue to see if it actually happens. All right. It tastes so far just like a normal Oreo. Mm-hmm. Not feeling anything yet. Mm-hmm. No, that's just me crunching. It's starting mm. to kick in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's starting to be really weird because you think your mouth is oh, empty. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> you feel out the back of your throat. Oh, my word. That's the weirdest thing. <laughs> you think it's so... And it's not, because there's Pop Rocks popping. Then you lick your teeth and it starts popping more. <laughs> so I don't know if weird if this is the best idea, but <laughs> but it is pretty tasty. That was good. But it's very regular Oreo-ish with an interesting afterbite. Yeah, a little bit of gunpowder in there, I think. So I'm going to cleanse my palate. <laughs> a little bit of water. I don't know what's wrong with me. I should have brought in a gallon of milk or something, because everyone knows that Oreos have to go with milk. Yes. That'll be next taste. That's but, when they come out with some crazy flavor again. And we're already talking about doing some fall flavors for our next Freeform, because it will probably be November or December when that takes place. Oh, yes. So And, and, and so hopefully that will happen. But what is the next Oreo that we are trying? Oh, the next Oreo smells like it was made at the Yankee Candle Company. It is. <laughs> hopefully it doesn't taste yeah, like right. it's <laughs> Yeah, hopefully it's not wax. So there's this new limited edition apple pie Oreos that are out. And I got to be honest, when I opened the bag a little bit ago, it smelled just really like. Really strong. It did. It smelled like cinnamon and pumpkin spice. In the spice. best way. Oh, it smelled amazing. And I, so so I've never had these. Here we're going to try this Oreo. Like an apple pie. Wow. That is a very strong. That's weird. Apple day. That's so weird. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my word. It literally tastes like an apple pie. It's awesome. It tastes like an apple pie, but no nutritional value at all. That's so, amazing. I think we were going to have an unofficial vote as to which was the better of the two. Mm. But I think we don't really need to vote. I think it's unanimous. The apple pie. Apple pie. Yep. Definitely apple pie. The apple like taste is getting stronger in my mouth as time passes. I don't know how it's doing that. It's but please continue. It's very much Willy Wonka ish. <laughs> it is. It's like that uh, like gum, like Violet Beauregard eating the dinner in a gum. It's true. It is. It has that taste, and I'd be okay becoming a slice. Which, apple by the way, it. quick plug: uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the Broadway musical, is coming to Van Single in cooperation with Master Arts Theater in November, one weekend only. All right. For the weekend of Thanksgiving. So make sure that you get information about that for when tickets go on sale. And we will have an interview one way or another with the director 
Kathy Van Lope. But there is an early plug for that, since that's where our conversation led. And that's one of the things I like about Freeform Friday. Conversations can lead anywhere. It's true. So, mm. as you know, I like to finish up these Freeform Fridays with a video that's either, like, comedic or... Um, I actually was trying to find something that Christian comedians had to say about bacon. And I really <laughs> couldn't find anything. But I thought about this serious video that sounds like it was ripped from today's headlines. But it actually took place during the old Dragnet TV show from the 60s. And if you, as you listen to this, you'll relate to a lot of it, I think. You just don't understand. Maybe we do, son. Don't think you have a corner on all of virtue vision in the country or that everybody else is fat and selfish and you're the first generation to come along that's felt dissatisfied. They all have, you know, about different things. And most of them didn't have the same opportunity and freedoms that you do. Let's talk poverty. Most places in the world, that's not a problem. It's a way of life. And rights, they're liable to give you a blank stare because they may not know what you're talking about. The fact is, more people are living better right here than anywhere else ever before in history. So don't expect us to roll over and play dead when you say you're dissatisfied. It's not perfect, but it's a great deal better than when we grew up. A hundred men standing in the street hoping for one job, selling apples on the street corner. That's one of the things we were dissatisfied about, and you don't see that much anymore. You're taller, stronger, healthier, better educated, and you live longer than the last generation. And we don't think that's altogether bad. You've probably never seen a quarantine sign in your neighbor's door. Diphtheria, scarlet fever, whooping cough. Probably none of your classmates are crippled with polio. You don't see many mastoid scars anymore. We've done quite a bit of fighting all around the world. Whether you think it was moral or not, a lot of people are free today to make their own mistakes because of it. And that may just include you. I don't know. Maybe part of it's the fact that you're in a hurry. You've grown up on instant orange juice. Flip a dial, instant entertainment. Dial seven digits, instant communication. Turn a key, push a pedal, instant transportation. Flash a card, instant money. Shove in a problem, push a few buttons, instant answers. But some problems you can't get quick answers to no matter how much you want them. We took a little boy into Central Receiving Hospital yesterday. He was four years old. He weighs eight and a half pounds. His parents just haven't bothered to feed him. Now, give me a fast answer to that one. One that'll stop that from ever happening again. And if you can't settle that one, what about the 55,000 Americans who will die on the highways this year? That's nearly six or seven times the number that'll get killed in Vietnam. Why aren't you up in arms about that? Or is dying in a car somehow moral? Tell me how to wipe out prejudice. I'll settle for just the prejudices you have inside yourselves. Show me how to get rid of the unlimited capacity for human beings to make themselves believe that they're somehow right and justified in stealing from somebody or hurting somebody. And you'll just about put this place here out of business. I don't think that we're telling you to lose your ideals or your sense of outrage. They're the only way things ever get done. And there's a lot that still needs doing. And we hope you'll tackle it. You don't have to do anything dramatic like trying to come up with a better country. You can find enough to keep you busy right here. While you're at it, don't break things up in the name of progress or crack a placard stick over somebody's head to help him see the light. Be careful of his rights, because your property and your person and your rights aren't any better than his. And next time, you may be the one to get it. We remember a man who killed six million people and called it social improvement. So hang in. Don't try to build a new country. Make the old one work. It has for over 400 years... And by the world's standards, that's hardly more than yesterday. So, Adam, what are your thoughts on that video? That's pretty wild. I mean, really, you can kind of put that with today's issues if you think about it. It, it seems like somebody said it today. 
And the very fact that it happened on a 60s-era crime drama that people watch for entertainment and then it was that high-quality done. And I think the, the thing that struck me the most was instant entertainment. Yeah. The fact that even in the 60s they were talking about instant entertainment, like today's kids wouldn't know what to do. They'd be like, what in the world? What's instant about this? It's right. kind of like when my, my brother Nathaniel um, all, would complain about the speed of our Wi-Fi, I would say, well, but you never experienced dial-up. And I went to college. All through college, I, did, I used dial-up internet. And that's really slow. Yeah, right. <laughs> so next time your Wi-Fi is slow, think about that. But the point is, I think there's a lot of good things for us to think about. Um, a lot of people are ashamed of this country. Um, and I acknowledge that there are problems with this country. I acknowledge that it's not all hunky-dory. I acknowledge that we made some really bad decisions in our history as a country, but that does not take away from what America has achieved and what it's become. Ultimately, there's no other country that these people that are complaining about America really want to go. I mean, if there was, they would go there, right? Right, exactly. So my biggest point is don't try um, to make America... Um, or not, don't try to say we need a different country or we need to gut, gut America. Try to do your part to make it better. And I'm all for the right to protest, but make sure that you're being very clear about why you're protesting. Because I think part of the thing that frustrates me is that uh, there's a lot of protesting going on and I don't even necessarily understand why it's going on or what they're trying to accomplish. Um... I'm definitely for standing up for what you think is right. But make sure that you articulate what it is that you're intending to articulate. And and also do it in a peaceful manner, not in a manner that is intolerant for the sake of tolerance. Because that seems to be an ongoing theme. Mm -hmm. All right, well, that's about all we have for you today. We hope that you've enjoyed this Freeform Friday. and We'll be back in a few months for another show. If there is something that you think we should cover something fun, something serious, something Oreo that you think we should consume. Whatever it is, let us know um, by contacting us via the comment or being via the contact info at the end of the show, and we will be glad to include it in the next Reform Friday. All right, well, that's all we have time for right now. So I will just say have a great weekend and keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him, alongside his co-host and executive producer, Adam McNutt. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at Speaking For Him. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review. 